All right, so share number one on our Living Shabbos series. We're going to focus primarily on a lost art. Uh, it's not lost. I shouldn't say it's lost. It's not true. But it's hard to find. And that is the art of Erev Shabbos. Turning Friday into Erev Shabbos as opposed to Friday being Friday. So we'll focus on... There's a lot of very interesting halachos that we may not even think of until it's kind of like we're in that moment. We're like... Now what? Like what is Friday actually supposed to look like? And in order to set the tone for our halachas, I'd like to begin by learning together a piece from Rav Shamshim Pinkus in his Sefer Nefesh Shimshin uh, on Shabbos Kodesh. It's called Shabbos Kodesh. And Rav Shamshim Pinkus, uh, we'll learn this together, I'll read it, but he, he really has a beautiful uh, approach that a Yid is supposed to have towards Friday. See, he says... Why is it that we have a halacha of Kabbalah Shabbos? You go into Shabbos, right? We're going into Shabbos. There's a special tefillah called Kabbalah Shabbos to uh, be Makabal Shabbos. To bring, you don't find other mitzvahs where there's a whole, like a, a whole approach to how Shabbos is supposed to come in. So if Shabbos Shemikas explains, he says there's two types of mitzvahs. There's it, most mitzvahs, for example... Uh, the mitzvah of uh, eating matzah, the, mitz- the mitzvah of putting on tefillin. So the most thing, the, the main thing is you do what the mitzvah is. There's a mitzvah, just go ahead and do it. But there's another kind of mitzvah. And that other kind of mitzvah is that it's a mitzvah, the way he refers to it is kind of like the Sholosh Regalim, Pesach Shavuos and Sukkot, where there's a mitzvah of Re'iyah, there's a mitzvah to go to the Beis HaMikdosh, see Hashem, and to be seen by Hashem. And over here, the mitzvah is more than just showing up. The mitzvah is a greeting and receiving process and being in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu because the focus equal to being there is the relationship that's being built by being in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's environment. Okay? This is Shabbos as well. Shabbos, it is the main mitzvah in how we develop a personal relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Interestingly, the Chazal call the mitzvah of Shabbos the ring. It's the, it's the wedding ring. It's the Kedushim between Kal Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the parable given for that is, you know, the way you know if somebody's married or not married is whether they're wearing their ring. Right, you say, now, some, I don't wear a wedding band, right? But other people do. It depends what circles you walk in. And sometimes it's necessary and important to wear a wedding band. So people know you're off limits or whatever it is, right? It's, uh, that's how it is out in society. To an extent, it's the relationship with Shabbos that really shows us for ourselves how deep into a relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu we are. So when, when we have a Kabbalah Shabbos, it's one of these relationships where we're actually greeting the Shekhinah. Let's say we say Bai Chala, we're coming, you know, during the Chadodi, the Kala is referring to Shabbos, and Shabbos, the Shabbos queen is HaKadosh Baruch. The Shabbos queen is Hashem. And um, if Rosham Shampinka says, imagine, he says, imagine the following scene, a very busy person, and comes the Seder night, there's no matzah on the table. So they knock on their neighbor's door, you say, I'm so sorry, though, Erev Pesach gets so busy, I just completely forgot matzah. I completely forgot to buy matzah. 
Come on in. Right? So it's going to be an embarrassing moment, he says. You don't want to... Listen, you're so busy doing everything else. But like the main thing to do here for Pesach, your main mitzvah, the Orisa, your main biblical mitzvah is going to be to purchase matzah. And that's the one thing you forgot. He says, let's imagine you have somebody whose parents tell, tell them, uh, him or her, that they're coming to their house for Shabbos. And they say, we're coming for Shabbos. We're arriving on the 6 o'clock. We're landing in the airport. Okay? They land the airport at 6 o'clock. And their son or daughter is not waiting to pick them up at the airport. So they call up and they say, you know, uh, we're here. We landed. I apologize. I forgot. I forgot you're coming. Completely forgot you're coming for Shabbos. I'll, I'm getting in my car right now. I'll be right over. Okay. So um, they say, you know what? Forget it. We'll just take a cab. We'll Uber. We'll, you know, it's okay. So they come to the house and they knock on the door and um, there's no answer. So they open the door a little bit. Like, everybody here, like, yeah, come on in. We're all busy. There's no like welcome. There's no, <laughs> nobody's waiting to, to greet them. And um, they say, just come in, take a shower, make yourself. And we look forward, you know, Friday night, we'll, uh, we'll sit down and, and we'll catch up. Any one of us would know this is not a respectful way to grieve. Okay, it comes Friday night, you might have a beautiful suda, but the same way we wouldn't do this to our parents, we we shouldn't be doing this to Shabbos, says Rosham Shampikas. He says, if somebody's parents arrive only to find no one waiting for them, they'll be insulted, they'll feel snubbed, and might even consider spending Shabbos elsewhere. We can imagine someone saying, after all, why would we spend Shabbos here? It doesn't seem like we're wanted. Shabbos Kodesh is coming to our house, says Rosham Shapinkas. It's Friday, but we're too busy. Hashem himself is knocking at our door and we don't open it. We say, Hashem, just give me a few more minutes. Few more minutes. I'm not ready for you. You came, your flight landed a little too early for me. Yeah, 18 minutes before sunset. I don't know. I need five minutes. I need another 13 minutes. I need. Uh, uh, we're not ready when Shabbos comes and we're not waiting for her. If we fail to welcome, if we fail to have the Kabbalah Shabbos and show Shabbos how much we care about her, so then we're going to leave our home devoid of Shabbos's wonderful Kedusha and Bracha. This is how he creates a vision around what Friday as a whole is supposed to be. And I just want to share something before we get into the actual halachas. Because part of the halachas we're going to get into is halachas of there's halachas is specific to baking challah. We're going to learn a lot of things that are unique to Friday. And I just want to preface everything by saying the avoda of Friday is what Rav Shem Shemik is telling us is just make sure that when it's time for the Shechina to arrive in our homes, we are waiting for Shabbos. Shabbos is not waiting for us. That's what a, that's really what it is. We're waiting for, so there's other things to do. We're going to speak about the mitzvah of challah. My mother, Zechariah Levracha, I don't remember her baking challah on Friday. I don't remember baking challah. I asked my sisters, I said, did mom bake challah? So one of my sisters told me she remembers my mother never made challah, but one time she was at a Chinese auction for Beis Yaakov of Baltimore and they were auctioning off a magic mill uh, I said, Hashem, if you want me to bake challah on Fridays, let me win the magic mill. And she won the magic mill. <laughs> so she said, now I'm in trouble. What do I do? <clears throat> so she started making challah, but she didn't braid. She, she didn't braid the challah. 
She wouldn't break the challah. And she would always teach us. She always taught us. She said, yes, there's mitzvahs to do, but you have a home. The main thing is, is that you're waiting for Shabbos and Shabbos is not waiting for you. My father would go, and we don't have this opportunity here, unfortunately, to the fullest extent that I know. My father bought Shabbos. And my mother, she put chicken in the oven. My father bought the kugel, he bought the kosla, he bought whatever needed to be done. And we had the same delicious, basic, practical Shabbos food. It wasn't a pachka, it wasn't a stress, it wasn't lunacy with all the you know, extra things that were going on. But we were waiting for Shabbos. Like, you know, it was, it was uh, my mother made sure that the house was very calm. So we're going to get into mitzvahs. And yes, there's going to be things that if we could do it and it's, it works under these parameters. And the parameter is that we're waiting for Shabbos. We're waiting for the Shekhinah. Friday is now an Arab Shabbos. It's a day of Kedusha. It's a day that we're, we're waiting to greet HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not that we're too busy for him. Then everything else, all, all these halachas that we'll speak about will will uh, fall in lockstep with it. Okay, see, here we go. The first mitzvah, interesting, there's so many things we do, we don't realize how many mitzvahs we do. The first, it's a mitzvah, it's in the Shulchan Aruch. You ready? It's beautiful. To shop for Shabbos. You know what? When you go, when you buy food for Shabbos, Chazal teach us, it's incredible, the shvitz, when you sweat, because you got to run out of the house, when a person goes shopping for Shabbos, it has the ability, says the Benish Chai in Parsha Slechlecha, to help, it's like a kapara, it erases sins. It's like a, you're, I'm, I'm working for the Rabbanu Shalom, I'm schwitzing, I'm going shopping, I'm going to the store for Shabbos. That itself is a mitzvah. The Rambam Paskins, it's a, it's a mitzvah. And we also know that the expenses that one puts out for Shabbos is covered by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's covered by Hashem. Chazal promised us it's not included in the costs that are decided on Rosh Hashanah. Anything we put out for Shabbos is paid for by God. Why? Because Shabbos is our statement of telling Hashem, you are the host of the world. And when you go to a host's house and they send you the bill after, you say, that's not nice. You invite somebody to the house for Friday night, they come over, yeah, Matzi Shabbos, you hand them a bill. No, what are you doing, sugar? <laughs> invite me and hand me a bill? God tells us, keep Shabbos. Shabbos we stand, we testify by Kiddush, we say, Vayachulu Ashvayim Varetz V'choltzevam. You own the world, you run the world, you're everything. God says, oh, I'm the host? Okay, I'll pay for everything. I'll cover the expenses. It's on me. Okay? So we uh, still, it does say in Halacha, however, the Rambam and Hocha Shabbos, Perek, Lamid, Halacha, Zayin, it's also in the Shochan Aruch, in Reish Nun, and the Lavosh, Naruch HaShochan, Paskin, that Still, even though Akadosh Baruch Hu covers expenses, one should spend on Shabbos according to their wealth. You're not supposed to go into, you know, start go into debt and start spending things that are outside of the parameters of what you have. But a person shouldn't be uh, so frugal on Shabbos because you should know that Akadosh Baruch Hu is going to take care of um, of all those expenses. Now there is a very interesting Gemara in Masech the Shabbos on Daf Kufiyot Zayin Amidbeis. The Gemara Masech Shabbos says that there there are Yidin who purposely shop for Shabbos Friday morning. And I want to, again, anything, everything we learn about Friday, I personally, I'm not a Friday guy. I like when things are done on Thursday. I don't travel Friday. We're going to talk about, there's a lot about traveling on Friday. What to do? I personally don't like traveling on Friday. I like having, working with my wife late into Thursday night to know 
as much as we can, that as much that could get done before, before Friday. But we're going to learn a lot of things are done on Friday because that really shows Kabbat Shabbos. Friday, when we do things on Friday, we show our excitement for Shabbos. That really itself also is a mitzvah. Now, if you know that in your home or in your life, it's going to be too stressful and you got to, you're only coming home from work a half hour before sunset, whatever it is. Okay, so then carry these things uh, to, to prior days. The, but the Gemara says that there are those who are careful to wake up, to go shopping on Friday morning to represent the double portion of mun that fell on Friday morning. Since the food came to Klai Yisrael in the Midbar on Friday morning, so they went after Shachris, you know, on Friday morning or in the morning hours. That's when people would specifically do their shopping. Now, um, some place can say that it's better to purchase the food on Friday, even if it's a little less convenient, as long as it's not going to ruin your, your uh, Simchas, uh, Simchas Shabbos. But um, the, uh, the, the shopping itself is a mitzvah. So even though in general, and again, if you rely on Instacart, you rely on shipped, gezinta hate. You know, some people, that's the way they function. And that's why I specifically want to preface this with the way my mother brought Shabbos into our home. But to go out and do the shopping for yourself, it's better to, since it's a mitzvah, it's like mitzvah bo, yo, sermi, If I could be the one who has those few minutes to do shopping, you know, ideally I should be the one to, um, to go out and fulfill that mitzvah. Okay. Even a person... The Mishaburu writes, even a person who for whatever reason does not need to help out on a regular Arab Shabbos should always make sure to do something. Because it's such a chash of an important mitzvah, we're showing our excitement and we're showing that we're ready for Shabbos. Even if a person has somebody, they have cleaning help or they have somebody else, you know, cleaning the house for them or doing the shopping and everything's done if somebody's, uh, you know, blessed to be able to, uh, to have that. Because there's such an important mitzvah, it's important to do something this way, I'm showing I'm getting the house ready. Lekavid, the shechina in honor of the, the in honor of the divine presence that's coming, uh, that's you know coming on on Friday evening. Okay. For those who are nervous about and think that their house is the only house with cobwebs and potentially spider webs, the Magen Avram writes that on erev Shabbos is a proper time to do a little bit of dusting. Yeah, a little bit of dusting. Also, Lekavit Shabbos. And he says, when we, as we're dusting, we should keep in mind that the same way, if a king was coming to our house, we'll make sure, as much as we can, that the place is spick and span, and you don't have the, the things hanging out there. So one should definitely do so, Lekavit Shabbos. And keep in mind, as we're doing this, it, it cannot be done. If it becomes something that's a stress, it, then don't. Because the avoda here is, why are we doing these things? Because it's... It's my excitement to greet the Shechina. It's my excitement. It's like my parents are arriving to my house. It's like the king is arriving to my house. The, the Rabbani Shalom is coming to my house on Friday night. So I'm excited to do this. I want to make sure when somebody is coming by that, yeah, the things, things are in order. As The moment it stops becoming that, then stop. Don't do this. You need your Friday to be, uh, to be an Arab Shabbos. And there's going to be different stages in our lives. I'll throw this in too. I, I quoted my mother. My mother went through various stages. My mother went through stages where I caught my grandmother, my, grand, my mother's mother, once caught my mother davening from a sitter. What do you mean caught her? She caught her. That's exactly what I mean. And she said, Esther, you have young children. I don't want to ever catch you davening from a sitter. 
Hashem doesn't want you diving from a sitter at this stage of your life. You talk to him as you take care of your children. You talk to him as you do this. But what are you doing standing there uh, from a sitter? You got little Jewish kids running around the house. You got people to take care of. There's not the time to be having, uh, you know, that's not your avoda right now. That's not, that's not what you're doing. So, you know, we have to also be aware of maybe at this stage of my life something doesn't work. In a year it will work. In five years it will work. In ten years, maybe something I did previously that I, maybe that I've always been doing, maybe that should shift. Maybe that should change. Maybe I always had these lavish suudas and I always had these lavish meals. And maybe at this point, at this stage, I, I, I really need to be smarter about it and stop pachking. And start buying things and start, uh, made, you know, uh, allowing things to become a little easier. Rabbi Friend has a, has a speech. I believe the title of the speech is Let Them Eat Tuna. Okay? That's the title of the speech. Why? Because he speaks about so many mitzvot that we do. That, so many mitzvot that we could do and we don't do because we're so nervous about it being perfect. So, you know what? I'm not going to have guests over at my house. I'm not going to invite guests. Why not? It's such a, such a stress <laughs> to have people over for dinner, to invite somebody for a Shabbos afternoon. I mean, I got to make this and then I got to buy this. By the time I'm finished with like, I'm like done. His speech is, let them eat tuna. Just invite them over. Nobody needs your fancy meals. I just want to come spend an hour with you. Okay? Huh? No tuna for you. Oh, you love tuna. Okay. <laughs> right? But like, he talks about, there are so many times, so many opportunities to come together and opportunities to have a beautiful and relaxed Shabbos and a beautiful and relaxed Arab Shabbos. A Gishmaka Friday that's full of Kedusha where we're not running into the shower like a minute before sunset, stressed out of our minds. And why? Because we need everything to be, to be like this and I needed this extra salad and I needed this. He says, whoa, take a step back. Shabbos is coming. Shabbos is coming. So, so buy your challah. Buy your rotisserie chicken. Get your little side. Make sure there's a lot of it so nobody's hungry and cranky and grouchy. And now you could have an extra two hours on your Friday. And you're actually waiting for Shabbos instead of Shabbos waiting for you. See how that works. Right? We have to be willing to reframe a lot of, a lot of, what, a lot of what we do now. Once we do that, we can start adding. We can say, wow, okay. Now I think I have these two hours. Ah, Baruch Hashem, I'm ready for Shabbos. I can go, I can, I can dust a little bit. I can have the Shabbos table set. I can have the Shabbos table set before Shabbos. And we know the famously that when, when uh, on Friday night, when we get back from shul, there's malachim, there's angels that accompany a person. And if the, the expression that Chazal use, that the sages use, is that if the table is set, meaning the home is calm, the home is a, is a place that's ready for Shabbos. So the, the good Malach says it should be like this every week. And the difficult angel has to respond, Amen. And if it's the other way, then unfortunately the, uh, the Malach says, Oh, it should be like this next week again. And the other one responds, Amen. Now what's the message in this? What's the idea in this? And this is something that is so important. And this is one thing that I think, I personally think about every single Friday. I want to share something that goes through my mind every Friday. It, it, I never have an off week from this. And that is, Chazal teach us that it's brought out with a story with Rav Meir. There was a couple that the Satan, Gemara says, the Satan danced in their home on Erev Shabbos. <laughs> danced in their home on Erev Shabbos. Okay. 
And uh, Rav Meir came along, and Rav Meir would go there week after week after week to keep Shalom in their home. Until finally Rav Meir heard the Satan outside saying, Rav Meir defeated me, kicked me out of their house. Okay, fine. What does that do with us? I think about this all the time. Every Friday I think about this. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. The Kafachayim writes, on Friday specifically, because Shabbos is such a opportunistic time to build relationships between families, between people, with us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, on Friday the Satan dances in our homes. He shows up purposely Friday afternoon to make sure that we do not go into Shabbos relaxed. He's there to create dispute. If you want to know why my home is the most stressed out place on Friday afternoon, it's not because anything I did. It's because the satan is in your home and my home on Friday afternoon. And no, as soon as you feel stress, it's, it's not your fault. It's the satan's there. But if you know that it's the satan, we know to, it's to get out of here. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have time for you right now. I don't have time for your stresses. I don't have time for your disputes. I, gotta, I, got, I, I, have, a, I have my midas to work on here and the Shabbos to prepare for. I don't need you. I need to think about this every Friday. Because there's stuff to do. There's things to go on. And this, the satan is purposely there so I cannot go into a Shabbos where the malachim show up and say it should be relaxed and good and holy like this next week. Shabbos kaidah should be like this next week. The satan does not want that. And we know between, between couples... Friday night's a time to be together. Shabbos day is time together. Families, every it's a it's a it's a it's a holy time. It's a it's a very Shabbos is a very intimate place in the life of a Jew, and intimacy, the most not the, the number one organ in our body for intimacy is our brain. It's the number one organ. You have to get yourself into the right headspace for Shabbos. The way to do that is by making sure that erev Shabbos comes out on Shabbos, and as the famous. Statement goes referring to this world and Olam Haba. If you cook on Erev Shabbos, one who prepares on Erev Shabbos will eat on Shabbos. Right? If we work in this world, we'll eat on Shabbos. Eternal Shabbos, which is uh, Gan Eden, which is which is paradise. We have to make our homes as much of uh, as much into Gan Eden as is possible. So part of that is is avoid of uh, one of the halachas of Erev Shabbos is to avoid disputes. Do whatever you can not to be upset. And to uh, avoid disputes on Shabbos. Um, okay, what about eating on Erev Shabbos? There's very there's a few interesting halachas when it comes to eating. The halacha is that in honor, morning, Courtney, in in um, Shabbos, a person should not eat a very large amount on Erev Shabbos. Shouldn't eat a very large meal. Now, this is not a difficult halacha to follow. I find sometimes Friday night we show up and we're like, we're like, did I fast today? Right? Like, there's, there's so much going on that we're like, we're, it's like, you know, we're hungry. It's one of the reasons why Shalashudas is called Shalashudas. Shalashudas means three meals. It doesn't mean the third meal. In Hebrew, they call it Sudat Shlishi. Shalashudas is called three meals. I heard that it's because Friday night everybody's hungry. So you sit down, you say the Kavad Shabbos. It's not really the Kavad Shabbos. You're starving. <laughs> Yeah, Shabbos morning. If you didn't have a nice kiddush and shul, all right. No, so long davening. You're showing up eleven thirty, twelve o'clock, twelve thirty, one o'clock. You're hungry. So you say the kavod Shabbos. The ma'isa. It's an honor of the belly. You know, it's an honor. Come, Shalashudas. I'm not interested in eating. 
I'm like, what? I just ate like two hours ago. Like, mm-hmm. Seriously? Like, what's the deal? Yeah? It's that third meal that represents that you actually ate all three meals, Lekav Shabbos. If you're willing to eat a half a piece of matzah, you know, whatever it is, at Shalashudas and do your mitzvah, that's why it's called three meals. Because that shows the Rabbanu Shalom that, you know what, I'll eat even when I'm not in the mood. Right? That, that represents uh, everything. But comes Friday night, there's a, you know, we ha- we're supposed to have an appetite, Lekav Shabbos. It's, it's a mitzvah to have an appetite, Lekav Shabbos. And therefore it's brought down to Shulchan Aruch that a person should not eat an unusually large meal on Erev Shabbos or, uh, or on Erev Yomtif. Now there's times where this, there, there's an issue because sometimes Yomtif will fall out on Erev Shabbos. So you need to have a Yomtif meal, so then obviously the covered Yomtif, let's say you have a Friday holiday, a Friday Yomtif, one is obligated to have a large Suda, but one should still try to leave space you know, enough that um, by the time we get to the Friday night Suda, the Friday night meal, they um, will be able to eat the suda, uh, you know, properly. Al pi halacha, according according to Allah. Is there a specific okay. time on Friday afternoon where you can't eat after? No specific time you can't eat anything after. There's you know, once you get past the uh, nine and a half hours into the day, one should refrain from washing and, and okay. sitting yeah. sitting down to like a larger meal. If possible. Okay. Now, unless a person needs it specifically for their diet, but yeah, there's a certain time of day where you're not supposed to have a su'ud anymore, but, it, but the idea behind it is so that you'll be able to keep an appetite mm-hmm. for Friday night. Okay, what about traveling? Traveling on Erev Shabbos. So this is something that we really need to be uh, very careful about. Traveling on Erev Shabbos. There are those who have a custom to not travel on Erev Shabbos at all. Rav Meisha Feinstein holds that as far as like local, you know, travel, local meaning a half hour uh, thing, an hour thing. He says that the, the proper way to, to measure whether I'm traveling on, how much I should travel on Shabbos is to leave double the amount of time. Mm-hmm. Then you're allowed to go. So if let's say I'm, you know, it's uh, I'm traveling somewhere that should be a five hour trip, you should be leaving 10 hours before candlelighting for that, uh, for that five-hour trip. Um, now, that's, that's Rav Maisha's parameters. If you look inside, you know, the, the halachas, there's a sefer called Nishma Shabbos and Arlitzian. They say if a person's going from city to city, yeah, you just have to make sure, use your seichel, use your common sense, but to make sure to leave at least an hour prior to Shabbos. There are, again, this is halachas. You're going to have various ways of approaching. There are some Paiskim that say you don't need to be concerned about this because they say that the way these halachas were in are for people that need to prepare for Shabbos. But let's say you go into somebody's house and everything's going to be totally prepared for you. Let's say you're traveling as a guest and you don't need to do any cooking and you don't need to do any cleaning and you don't need to do any showering and you're all showered and ready to go. So some Paiskim that say then you just got to use your seichel and you're allowed to go, you know, as long as it's not snowing outside and there's no room for accidents and you check the traffic as much as you could. They say, you know, be smart with it. And there are those who say that if you keep your Shabbos in your car, then you can even be more lenient. Let's say you pack your challahs and your grape juice. And see, even if you're not going to reach your destination, big deal. You pull off into a holiday inn. So th- th- that'll be my new destination before Shabbos. If I find it's 45 minutes, I'll just go to, you know, a half hour. I'm not going to be there anyway. So I have my grape juice. I have my challah. You know, I have my little piece of chicken. Whatever I took in my car, look up in my suda. So I'll spend my Shabbos in a hotel. That's a, there's no, no issue with that. But ideally, to keep the, the, tr- the Arab Shabbos traveling in proper space, 
and in a uh, in proper fashion, the the best way to balance it out would be to leave double the amount of time, and then you know that's that's uh, the best parameters to place around it. Now, if we'd be living in Eretz Yisrael, I recall when I was living there, an additional halacha of Erev Shabbos that we needed to keep in mind as far as traveling is cab drivers. Because since many cab drivers were Jewish, but not Shabbos observant, you're not allowed to take a cab somewhere right before Shabbos if by doing that you're going to cause the cab driver to, in order to get back to his house to drive on Shabbos. So that's another thing to keep in mind, not to go in a cab or an Uber if there's going to be a Jewish driver where you're causing them to uh, not get back to their place, that's going to be an issue as well. Now, there's a there's an Indian, there's not a halacha, but this is something that's uh, I found to be fascinating as I was preparing for this and going through through this. I never knew this. I thought flowers is just a nice thing. There's actually a medrash in Vayikra that brings down a minhug to purchase flowers to cover Shabbos. Interesting. So there's a, a medrash Vayikra that you know when you put flowers on your table. Now you can keep in mind. It's not just a. It's not just something that that women oftentimes like or enjoy, but something that's purchased in honor of Shabbos. And you could do this ahead of time as well. They have some flowers that are, you know, that go from week to week, and they have all these fancy ones that dried out. So you purchase it initially the covered Shabbos. Um, it's good to go. It's also important. The Shlomo Zaman Arbach writes. It's important that if you say, not to say good Shabbos on Erev Shabbos. You say a good Erev Shabbos. Why? Now, it's not important. It's good to be careful about it. Because if you say good Shabbos, once you're after Plag HaMincha, you might be accepting Shabbos with those words. Uh-huh. Rebbe Kiva Eger writes, this is incredible. You listen to this. You know there's a mitzvah in the Torah, Zachar v'Shomar. Right. Zachar v'Shomar is the things that we don't do on Shabbos, the things that we do to... Rebbe Kiva Eger writes, every time you say good Shabbos to somebody, you, have, you fulfill a biblical mitzvah. Of Zachar. You remember the Shabbos? If every time you say good Shabbos to a friend, a child, every single time you're getting another mitzvah dairais, it's incredible. So because of because saying good Shabbos is a statement of a, that it's it's already Shabbos, yeah. once you're after Plag Hamincha, where acceptance of Shabbos would come in. Now if it's Friday morning, you can't light your candles on Friday morning and say it's Shabbos. It's, only, it's the earliest time it can become Shabbos. So but once you get Past Plaga Mincha, there are those who are careful to no longer uh, say good Shabbos, but to say a good uh, a good Arab Shabbos. Okay. Now, Lamaisa, if you do say good Shabbos, it's fine. We don't paskin. It actually became Shabbos. We all understand it. But I'm just sharing this idea that's um, this idea that's out there. There's also a mitzvah on Arab Shabbos to check one's garments. You know, in Europe, there were people who sewed up their pockets. Their Shabbos garments didn't have pockets. Because in your Shabbos clothing, you might end up with something mukts in the pockets. You could walk outside without an Eruv. What if it's my only my Shabbos clothing? Well, maybe when you came home from shul after Shabbos, you left your uh, keys in there. Or, you know, the next Shabbos, the Eruv's down. Or uh, maybe you went to a dinner or a wedding and you wore your Shabbos clothes. Maybe there's some sort of mukts in there. So it's actually, uh, it's actually a halacha and a mitzvah for a person when they put on their Shabbos clothes, if there's pockets in the Shabbos clothes, to uh, to check them. And as we said, there were those brought down in Archas Rabbeinu who would sew up their pockets or purposely make no pockets on their clothing on Shabbos to not uh, run into this problem. Let's get into baking challah. 
Let's get into Beit Chal. Okay. So this is gonna. This is a fascinating mitzvah. It's good for both men and women to to know. And going back to the important preface that on when it comes to Beit Chal that my mother gave, we're gonna learn some very interesting things here about Chal, the beauty of it. Uh, but again, the main thing is is that Erev Shabbos is Erev Shabbos. Okay. So listen to this. Women specifically have a mitzvah of challah. Well known, right? Need the challah, halakha, center. Fine. Why is challah called challah? What's the difference between bread and challah? Why is challah called challah? So, challah is called challah because of the mitzvah. Since there's a mitzvah to be mafresh challah, really what challah is, is that little piece of dough, which the halacha, there's a dispute whether you need, the Ramah says it's a minimal amount, you don't need a specific amount. Kitzur Shulchan Aruch writes that the size of the challah dough that you separate should be a kazayas, the size of an olive, vol, a, a, you know, the volume of an olive. But according to the Ramah, really, it's the slightest amount. You just need a, a little bit. But that little piece is called challah, and that reminds us, the reason why we have challah, you know why we call it challah? To actually remind us of the mitzvah, that whenever we're making challah, to separate the dough. Now, there's a conversation amongst the Paiskim whether it's better to bake your own challah or to buy challah. Each one has a trade-off. You bake your own challah, you get your mitzvah being mafresh challah. You buy challah, you lose out on the mitzvah of, of that, but it could stress out your Friday. So that's the balance. That's the, that's the balance to have. Okay? Now, if a person likes bakery challah better than homemade challah. I happen to like the way this bakery's challah comes out better than the person who bakes challah in my home. Okay? Or the person themselves likes it better. I like the bakery challah more than my own recipe comes out. Says Rebel Yashiv, no problem. That's your covered Shabbos. Shabbos is having the best challah available. I like uh, telling over a story. Baruch Hashem. I have the schus to be married to a very, uh, an excellent baker. Okay? An excellent baker. And um, we were probably our first year married or so, living in Eretz Yisrael, and we were eating by Zelda's sister for Shabbos, and we brought the chalos. So there's a bunch of Shiva guys sitting around at the table, and they... They cut up the challah, they pass it around. And one guy takes a bite of the challah. He's like, mm, this challah is almost as good as Yala's Bakery. That's how good it is. <laughs> I look at him like, dude, stop while you're behind. <laughs> almost. And he's like, no, he's like tried covering up. He's like, no, you ever taste the Yala Bakery challah? <laughs> like the best. <laughs> That's like, and this one's like almost there. I was like, dude. You're already behind. Just stop. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not getting there. Right? So, um, <laughs> um, so but says Rabbi Yashif, if your Yala Bakery is your favorite challah, no one's ever going to uh, beat out that challah. So that's your, uh, that's your Kavit Shabbos. There are others who say, uh, Rabbi Yashif's son-in-law, Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky, says that even if a person could make special challah for Shabbat, uh, uh, could buy in a bakery, it's still worthwhile to bake some challah for yourself. Now, Rabbi Yashiv says that if you do buy challahs, you should all at least make something else for Shabbos. Because again, the covet Shabbos is putting myself in, in uh, preparing for Shabbos. And it's interesting to note the Satmar Rebbe, Zechariah Levracha, 
in, uh, there's a book called Shabbos Secrets. Um, art school, I think it's an art school book on page 17. He says that the Satma Rebbe would say that if, uh, if women would know the, the incredible schar and the incredible mitzvah of, uh, of challah baking, of challah baking, they wouldn't let anybody get in the way of this mitzvah. Now, that's his, uh, you know, that's uh, his, his line. Okay, so it's good to know. It's good to know that it's a chash of a thing. But again, the main thing is going back to what, what's good and what, what makes sense for... Sh- Sounds like a mitzvah. It's certainly a mitzvah as well. It's a different mitzvah. Sometimes you, you have that trade-off. Sometimes you have to determine what's working for you. You do have your own mitzvah to do as well. Right? So you have your own mitzvah to be challah, and then there's a mitzvah to give somebody else support. So that's a balance that a yid needs to do constantly. Do you do some and some? Do you do one week this, one week not? Yeah, we try to you know, get as much as we can and uh, fulfill all these, all these mitzvahs. Now, what about baking challah? Sometimes you bake, you, you know, you want to make the bracha, right? So you bake eight challahs. I'm only using two challahs. Everything else is going to the freezer. Every week I'm baking challah, my challah's going to be, my freezer's going to be stuck with challah. Right? So, so what do you do? So this is interesting. Is it better to make a large amount of challah in order to make a bracha and free some or make, um, you know, uh, make a little less? You don't make a bracha. So... What do you mean you don't make a bracha? Because you, did, you only make a bracha when you make the appropriate amount. Uh, uh, amount. Right, okay. okay? So, so what do I do? So Chaim Kanievsky says something beautiful. Something, he says something beautiful. And he says that if somebody makes challah and puts the challah in their freezer... When you defrost it and rewarm it for Shabbos, that's the same. That, that's also the mitzvah. You don't need to bake challah every week. He says that's you have challahs in your freezer and you made challahs for the next two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. So he says, since when you take your challahs out of your freezer, you're rewarming it up. Lekavad Shabbos. So that's like a, it's, as if you're it's as if you're baking it on Friday. Now you're not going to make the bracha. You can only make the bracha of challah. But since the whole idea here is why am I making the challah? Lekavad Shabbos. So I made it Lekavit Shabbos a week ago, or I made it Lekavit Shabbos three weeks ago. And now when I rewarm it up, so I'm doing this Lekavit Shabbos as well. I just want to share something very interesting about the challah itself. And again, my mother made round challah. She did not pachka with this when, once she got her magic will. And she, by the, I, I was told by my sister, she had the grandkids come do it. She was like, hey, go do Like, okay, I know it's a mitzvah. Well, I'll make the bracha. You guys just make a ball. She threw on some sugar and cinnamon, and now Shalom al Yisrael. Not pachka. It did not pachka with, with stuff. There is, you ever heard of six braid challah? In Camp MVP, we teach the kids how to make uh, six braid challah. I never knew how to make six braid challah, but I teach the kids. This way they. Uh, what's the whole idea of the shape of a challah? You know, there's, there's, there's meaning to it. It's very interesting. Again, if you don't know how to do it, fine. But I'm just sharing. It's it's good to know these these. Uh, there's something to it. I, I I personally was never aware of this. I was never aware of this. The six braid challah. Apparently, you take two rows of three doughs, and you knead them together somehow. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll learn again next summer. I have some each summer. One of my counselors teaches me how to. Cause I forget, you know, from year to year. So you have six balls of dough in one challah. You have six balls of dough. You have two challahs on your table. What's six plus six? Twelve. There's the lechem aponim that's said on the uh-huh. that's that said in the Beis Hamikdash every Shabbos. So these two chalas are the six are the represent. If you have a six braid type of challah, it does represent these twelve uh, these twelve lechem aponims. Also, the br- the bread when laying in front of you looks like a vav. 
So if you put it lengthwise, if you put the chalas down in front of you lengthwise, so you have a vav, which is the gematria of six, and a vav, a gematria of six, you also have a different way that also equals the number 12, which teaches us to think about the lechem upon him, the bread and the holiness of the table that was in the Beis HaMikdash is also the holiness of the table that we have here, L'Kavit Shabbos. Mm. So the question being asked here is when, when you separate, when you, make the, when you make the bracha. So ideally do it, you have your dough together, separate it, and then you can start braiding. Um, in in Chutzlah Aretz, the halacha actually is, you could separate it up until the last bite of challah. If you forget. In Eretz Yisrael, you can't. This is an interesting trivia question that we asked at Ava Subhanim the other night. We tried to ask a trivia question to get the right answer. They could earn some money. Um, so the question was, what food, same food, if you're, if you're in Eretz Yisrael, it's usher to eat. If you're in Chutzlar, it's Fyazar Yisrael, it's mutter to eat. You're allowed to eat it. It's the same food. And the answer was challah. Because in Israel, where there's a biblical obligation to separate challah, um, challahs where the dough is not separated, the challah itself is actually muktzah. Mm. You're not allowed to eat it on Shabbos. You're talking, I'm talking about the little separation. That little, that's right. But if you don't separate that piece, your whole challah is muktzah because you never separate your challah piece. You're not allowed to eat it. But I never make it. So never, no, you, you never, there's no problem with you. Don't worry, I'm not talking about you. What's the amount? <laughs> Five pounds. Uh, no, what's the amount? Either the smallest, really the smallest no, amount. The, when, uh, you know, like, uh, there's a... How much flour? But how much five, flour? five pounds, they say. Five so pounds. Five yeah. make less? All right. So we have the mitzvah of hafrosh's challah. Okay, so we go ahead. The whole process, you separate the challah. And as we said, how much do you separate? There are more rights that it's the smallest amount. The Kitzur Shulchan Aruch writes that it should be at least the shear of a kezayis, the shear of a, uh, a volume of an aleph. Okay. How do you, once you separate the challah, what do you do? Some say, we'll get into different opinions, so we're aware of the opinions, and then we'll say, we'll get a little practical and ultimately what to do, what works for our house. So some say that um, you should place the challah in the oven in aluminum foil, not at the same time as other things are being baked. Um, now, practically speaking, um, one should do their best to make sure that the that the dough is burnt. Doesn't need doesn't really make a difference how. I recall when I was younger, and my mother would make the challah and separate it. She would take this little ball of dough, she put it on a little piece of aluminum foil on the grates on the stovetop and turn it on and the house smelled like burnt challah. Um, you know, but it got, until it was like blackened and then we would wrap it and throw it, uh, throw it in the garbage. Okay. Um, now, what I find a lot of people do, and this is certainly uh, found in a lot of uh, big paiskim as well, the Chalkas Yaakov, the Menchas Yitzchak, um, Rabbi Belsky writes, this is what they do in all the large OU bakeries. They say that in a situation where it's difficult to burn the challah, then all you need to do is take the dough, double wrap it, and then put it in a bakavadik way, in a respectful way. Uh, it could even be put uh, in the garbage. Okay? So they say it seems the ideal way, the way that it was always done, is to separate it and try to, and, and burn it. This way it doesn't have any sort of use anymore. 
nobody could come to eat it, and then put in the garbage. But if that proves to be difficult for whatever reason, it's gonna everybody's gonna be complaining about the smell in the house, or chveis. Uh, it's too long. I don't have time to to do that. So as long as it's double wrapped and the chal is double wrapped in a respectful way, even if it's not burnt, it can uh, it can be placed in the garbage in uh, in that fashion. Why do we? It's one of the uh, main mitzvahs for a woman. Okay, we're pretty much at 45 minutes, so there's always more. There's always more to yeah. rain it over here. If you have any questions, but that's, you know, uh, to me, really the main thing to share is as much as we can. I know we go to work, we're busy Friday. Hevra, I could just implore myself and, and ask of all of us. Erev Shabbos, is a, it's really a lost art. It's a lost art. Erev Shabbos was Lahavdil, so to speak, Sunday for the world around us. It was Sunday. The way that the nation treats Sunday in the, in the Jewish communities was Friday. People woke up and it was Arab Shabbos. It was Arab Shabbos. Yeah, they needed to open up their stores. But even the stores had a different feeling on Friday. Even what time the, would they close? What time would they close? As much as close as they could. We didn't cover working on... There's a lot of halachas and parameters around working on Arab Shabbos. It's very important halachas to have to do with that. <clears throat> but really, the halacha doesn't make a difference what time you close. Because if people... Let's say you were... a Grocer and people needed food to closer for Shabbos. She were allowed to stay open closer for Shabbos, but you made sure that it was still erev Shabbos in your home. And even those of uh, you know those of us who uh, who are working till you know, and we're working for non-Jewish employers or even Jewish employers, and we're working for uh, non-Jewish consumers who need us to be available until you know a, a little bit before Shabbos. It's very hard to do. It. So then, okay. So then again, it's, it's, you know, we should try our best to pace ourselves to do what we can on Thursday night or earlier on Friday morning. But to, to, it, what happens is very often we come home and we, we tell Shabbos, I'm not ready for you. Yeah. We tell Shabbos, I'm not, I, 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 please don't come yet. This is what Rav Shamsham Pinkus is letting us know is that that's what has to change. Yeah. That's what has yeah, to change. Yeah, yeah. By the time Shabbos comes, however we're able to finagle it into the week and and, you know, somebody brought up earlier, you know, we say every day in davening, Hayyam Yom Shabbos, Rishon B'Shabbos, Sheni B'Shabbos. Every time you mention Shabbos, it's a mitzvah. You're saying, I'm, I'm getting, Shabbos getting closer. It's the third day of the week. It's the fourth day of the week. It's the fifth day of the week. Shabbos. That's davening. That's what Erev Shabbos, uh, that's what Erev Shabbos has to be. It's different ways to show up at Shabbos. It's through the challah, through making sure when we travel to do it in a way that's keeping honor for Shabbos and so on and so forth.